Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We hope you're having an amazing August despite the lack of Formula One, but it is really flying by and it'll be time for Spa before we know it. We did an AMA on Instagram. We wanted to answer questions, tell you all a bit more about ourselves. So we're doing a mix of personal questions, drivers and tracks, rule questions, questions about going to a Grand Prix in person and more. And if we didn't get to your question, don't worry, we're keeping track of them and we will do a part two. And for questions about how quality works or how race weekend generally works, definitely check out our starter pack episode. We do a deep dive into all of that. And as always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at F1 are the girls to stay in touch with us. I'm Sarah. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Chessa. So one question we got a lot uh, was about our background, where we're from, and where we went to college, et cetera. So we'll dive into that first, and then we'll get into some of the good F1-related stuff, because enough about us. So for me, I'm actually from all over. I was born in Mexico. Shout out to all of our lovely ladies in Mexico. We love to hear from you. And I actually grew up a little bit in Scotland, too. I've been in America for over 10 years now, and I moved to New York City like almost five years ago after graduating from Georgetown. I work in fintech, and I mostly work in finance in the past, but of course, Formula One is definitely my side passion. So I grew up in Boston, and my family moved to New York City when I was in high school, and I actually met Tiggy in high school. We were in the same dorm in boarding school together, so we have been friends for over 10 years now. I guess we, if we also all say our ages, we are all 26 and 27. So my family moved to New York. I went to Georgetown for undergrad with Chessa. So that was where I became so close with Chessa too. And then I went to law school at Harvard. So I was in Boston for three years. And now I am moving back to New York to work at a law firm. So I'm so excited to be back in New York full time with my best girls. Yes, we cannot wait. Um, So for me, similar to Chessa, I struggle with the where you are from question. I am originally from California, but I grew up living all over in Thailand, France, Canada, a couple places in the States, but I have been in New York City since graduating from Princeton, and I work in education technology doing product management, and I also run an early childhood literacy nonprofit in terms of hobbies, F1, of course, and I also make music on the side, which has been really fun. Tiki's got it all going on. (laughs) No, we are all (laughs) doing fun stuff, but F1 tops the list, of course. So... On to our most asked question. We will shout out a few of you. Gemma Lay, 114, Lizzie No Deal, Haley Said It, Steph McGill. How did we get into F1? Sarah. So I mostly got into it during the pandemic from Drive to Survive. So my dad is originally from Ireland. He grew up in Dublin and moved here after college in his 20s. Most of my family is still there. But he was never like super into it as a kid, but definitely was aware of it, kind of knew all the big names. And him and my brother were always really into Top Gear, that British car TV show. I love Top Gear. 
And so early in the pandemic, they started watching Drive to Survive and getting more into Formula One, like at the very start of the pandemic when we were all just couldn't leave the house. And then I was kind of intrigued and was like, oh, what is this? And then watched the whole thing myself and was just like absolutely addicted. (laughs) And just there was no turning back from that one. Full send. Yes. I probably come at it from like the most left field because still to this day, I don't think anyone in my family really knows what it is or (laughs) has much to say about it at all, like confuses it with NASCAR and IndyCar and all of that. So uh, I still don't have a ton of people around to talk about it with besides Sarah and Chessa. And I also got into it through Drive to Survive a couple of years ago. Um, but I have been hooked ever since. And yeah, I think that's a big reason why we wanted to create this podcast as we knew, at least in America and probably in a lot of places, there aren't as many people, especially females, to talk about it with. So here Retweet. we are. For me, shout out to my dad on this one. Even though I was born in Mexico and he was too, he's actually fully Italian. Like his parents are Italian from Milan. So therefore I was raised a Formula One fan and Ferrari fan. I literally grew up with him watching races live every Sunday, no matter where we were. My mom hated it, um, but (laughs) I always enjoyed watching. It was a fun way to bond. And definitely now with Drive to Survive and the podcast and just people talking about it and more generally, he's super excited and I love to to bond with him over that, but it's been great to share the love of the sport and have Sarah and Tiggy along for the ride. Our dear friend, Allison Payne, asked us what our favorite race of the season is so far. Tiggy, what do you think? Oh, it's got to be Silverstone, Mm -hmm. hands down. I feel like that race really had it all and probably the most exciting live race I've seen, live at least. Um... Sarah and I were watching in the back of a car on her like tiny phone screen heading to the beach. And then we had to like, once we got there, we had to rewatch and switch to the big screen to like <laughs> see everything. And we big. were going to see my parents and other friends and just ran into the house and didn't say hi to everyone <laughs> to get to the TV. And everyone was like, what is going what on? What is going on? We're like, you don't understand. This is the most incredible race we've, <laughs> we've seen in a long time. Um, so yeah, definitely that one. It just had so much going on. I think, yeah, for this season, I'm going to have to agree. Tiggy Silverstone takes the cake for me. I was watching this one also in the car on a road trip. Um, It was nonstop entertainment. I literally had it on like, had ESPN on one computer, F1 TV on the other, like hot spotting the hell out of it. It was so fun. (laughs) But F1 should be, and it's definitely one of the best races in recent memory. I would also agree on Silverstone, but I kind of loved some of those early races where we got the Max and Charles direct fighting action. Yeah. When it was Bahrain. It was the very first race when we got really good wheel-to-wheel action. It was just so exciting kind of seeing, okay, the new regs are working. Like this season's going to be good. And then honor I mentioned to Monaco for Checo winning. Oh my God, I forget. <laughs> the rain, I think just delivering more excitement than Monaco usually is. We had Checo winning. We had Max being frustrated, being behind Checo. We had a Ferrari meltdown all in the rain in Monaco. I don't know. I think I think Monaco delivered more than more than it usually does. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. So how about most overrated and most underrated driver? That question comes from Francesca GRT and Morgan Ann. Does Checo count as an underrated driver? Because I think I would do yeah, that. Yeah, that would count. For yeah, sure. for me, you know, he's won a race, you know. He hasn't won them all, though. So I think he is underrated. 
compared to other drivers at the top, I feel like we don't get that much coverage from him. And he's always kind of heads down, focused on the goal, which I love. He's our defending king, resident tire whisperer. So I think him. And if, I mean, I guess he does count, but if not, I would say Ocon. Okay. And how about overrated? Max. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, are you going to defend that? Or is Sarah going to try and... You have to defend it first. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's all we ever hear about. Like, I mean, obviously he's the reigning world champion. So that's what we... What's what's what we're there for? He's up at the top of the grid always. Naturally, he's going to get a lot of coverage, but I don't know. I just think for other top drivers, I'm not. I just don't love how he. Sarah, you're going to hate me. I don't know. I just I'm not into his demeanor. Is that a bad way to put it? (laughs) I think that's fair. I think one thing I will say. I'm not sure. I'll go so far as to say he's like overrated, but I do think at least this season. He has the trifecta like going for him in a way that none of the other top drivers really do. Like he's got the car, he's got the strategy team, and he has like his amazing driving skills. And I think the other top drivers right now don't have all three of those things. Like Lewis doesn't really have the car. Okay, yeah, but Lewis had that trifecta for like eight years. (laughs) Well, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Lewis like is better than Max. I'm just saying that right now, Max has that and no other driver does. So everyone's Yeah, that's talking definitely about true. It. But then would you, then would Lewis have been overrated all the years that he was winning? Definitely. No, because Lewis is an eight-time world champion. <laughs> like almost eight times, seven times. I think this season, Max is the most overrated. I want to say like in all history, Lewis is the most overrated, even though I'm starting to love him. Oh, fiercely disagree with that but that's okay we can we can move along I'm gonna say most underrated probably Botas I know he got a little bit of like his glory moments here and there in Mercedes but I think he's an awesome driver and he's been bopping around from team to team with kind of short contracts and I just don't think we saw his full potential so I'm gonna go with him and I'm gonna say most overrated I think people are starting to realize this slowly, but I, and I love Danny, but I think he's like kind of an overrated driver. He does not, I don't, I don't think his skills match the level of fame that he has. So I love him as a personality, but I don't think he's like the most amazing driver. Yeah. Or his don't also don't match his paycheck. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what it is. Well, although this, this $21 million potentially incoming, I think is deserved. (laughs) (laughs) I think I have to second you guys on Checo and Botas. I think out of kind of the number two drivers, if they were on a team where they were fully the number one in an amazing car, like Botas is the number one now. But I think all those years next to Lewis made him underrated when he was consistently winning and on podiums. And just because he was always compared to Lewis, it didn't it didn't seem as impressive when it actually was. And then overrated I think Gasly Mm, I I think granted it's hard to just be put at Red Bull next to Max and be expected to immediately deliver but Checo has done that fine and so granted he hasn't been on the same form that he was on last year and isn't as fast as Max but he's still able to hold his own and Gasly wasn't able to hold his own at Red Bull and then came back to AlphaTauri and I feel like is always in the mix of these conversations of like oh would he get a McLaren seat would he move back up the grid but 
I don't know. It's a bit – his performance at Alpha Tower has been a bit underwhelming this year especially. So we've also gotten several questions on best practices for watching F1 at home, going to a Grand Prix, how we watch, if we've been to one, how to get tickets, etc. We went to the Austin Grand Prix last year and we're very excited for Mexico. So we'll give some tips on all of this. This question or these questions come from Brooke Phelan, Jessica Crowley, Brit Brit 774 Anna Veltema, and Kate Dyer. So some points that we would like to hit about watching at home. First of all, if you're extra like us, we take so many notes and we have like a zillion group chats going off. It's a very immersive, fully immersive experience. So personally, we love to watch F1 TV. They have the press conferences, practice, highlight videos, and you can also like single out a driver on the right-hand side of the of the feed, listen to their radio, see their onboard cam. So it's really amazing. It's about $80 a year, but we we think it's great. Um, ESPN also has really good coverage. I watch that sometimes too with my family and definitely in-person events are really fun. So we love to get together with our friends. We went to the New York city F1 bar. I guess it was a couple months ago at this point, which was really fun. And we're definitely planning on organizing a meetup for the future. So in terms of going to a Grand Prix tickets, I would try the F1 main website and circuit website. I think those are your best bet. They sell out super fast. So try to follow the track or the race, like the official race account on Instagram, or just follow the news to know when those go live. Um, Secondhand is okay if you trust the site, but they have to send you the wristband. And yeah, just make sure that you're trusting the site. We've heard good things about via GoGo. Before you buy a ticket, know if you want general admission, if they have it, or a grandstand seat because they are different and definitely the, pl- the prices are, are different. So do some research to learn about where is best to watch from based on what you're looking for and what track you would be at. For Austin in particular, since we went there, the vibe and the experience was super cool. It felt like sort of a country fair. There were like giant turkey legs, drinks, (laughs) merch, mechanical bull, axe throwing, like all the great American stuff. (laughs) Um, You can hear the race commentators throughout, but we also had our phones out listening to uh, F1 TV because there wasn't like a great screen or anything that we could see from where we were, but it was an awesome experience And just a couple of things about getting to the track in Austin in particular, Uber was sort of a mess. So I would try to avoid that. A lot of the times the races organize shuttles. So that's pretty easy. Just make sure you're there early and public transport can be a good bet too, if you can avoid the traffic. And then just in terms of finding a viewing spot, what we said earlier, do your research, get there early. Sometimes you can bring your own water. So definitely do that. And depending on the weather, bring a hat, a blanket, a little poncho. We brought our plastic rain ponchos that one time, (laughs) which was fun. Another thing is maybe try to find slightly more off the beaten path viewing spots. So turn one looked like it had approximately, not even exaggerating, 100,000 people at it. And we found (laughs) going into kind of one of the later turns on the circuit, which isn't kind of one of the huge overtaking turns or anything. We had a really nice, peaceful area. We were able to get right up by the fence. So I think it's a little bit of a trade-off where you're not at turn one, but turn one was just absolutely insane. I doubt you could see anything. So I think definitely scope out a little bit of a different spot. Shout out to Jessica Greco for asking if we can organize a for the girls trip to a Grand Prix. When we make it big, we'll do that. That's the dream. In the meantime, we are going to be at Mexico. So if people are there, let us know. Otherwise, we are starting a Discord channel. So hopefully 
amongst all of you. You can figure out and meet each other and spread the For the Girls love. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacovas your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacovas. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Women's health is so important, and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. We've gotten a lot of questions about Ferrari, if they're actually improving over break, if Charles can win with them, if Charles is regretting the length of his contract. This question comes from Angelius Priv. Abril Ramos and A-G-C-A-Y-1. <laughs> Sorry if we're butchering these names, but we want to give you guys the shout outs you deserve. For me, I mean, I feel like the car is as improved as it's going to be. They have plans to bring some more upgrades later in the season. That's already been in the works. So I think for me, the big question is if they've been able to get their ducks in a row, R.E. the strategy team over the break. Maybe Mattia was able to take some time to himself. <laughs> reflect and maybe like kick them into gear like give the montage from all the movies where the sports team is finally getting it together (laughs) I think they need that if not I'm not really expecting much from them maybe Mattia's at an Italian spa on Lake Como just trying to unwind (laughs) (laughs) getting harassed everywhere he goes because everyone in Italy recognizes the Ferrari people yeah he fled the country (laughs) So one thing that is mildly to extremely concerning to me is Matias still seems to be saying they don't need to change much. There was an article last week, oh, we don't really need to change our process. Things are good the way they are, which I don't know if they're just saying that for the cameras. Charles in a BBC interview kind of implied that he got straight up asked this, like, oh, Matias seems to say publicly that it, it's not a mistake or whatever. And Charles was saying, oh, well, behind the scenes, a lot's going on. So hopefully that's true, but I don't have a lot of faith in them improving strategy if they don't even acknowledge that there's a problem yeah I I agree with that can Charles win with them eventually I sure hope so he has the right equipment um there are a couple things as Sarah and Chessa both mentioned that need to be in place strategy I think another one is reliability like yes they have a great car but they and Red Bull have been struggling with that a lot this season like can they figure that out can he win with them this season? Uh, that ship has sailed, unfortunately, at this point, I think. Um, and in terms of regretting the length of his contract, if I were him, looking at the season so far, as well as Vettel's history with Ferrari, I'd probably be regretting my length of contract at this moment. But 
mm-hmm. don't know. Maybe maybe there's more stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, maybe they'll pull it together. I don't know. He's still in a top team, still in a top car, so that's all going for him. But yeah, I mean, it. I would just be kicking myself after you know race after race in this strategy, really just messing it up. So I don't know. But on the bright side, he does really love the team and the history. Like he grew up carding in Italy so much that he views himself as kind of a part of the family. And he said recently that the team really does view itself as a family and he's so kind of embedded within it. So I guess as far as F1 teams go, it's such a dream to drive for Ferrari. And if you know everyone super well, but yeah, I I don't know. I just wonder if that novelty like wears off at a certain point, like the history and like all that stuff is great. But like at the end of the day, I think if you're a top Formula One driver, you're like in it to win, you know, and if like no matter how like shiny the pedigree is and how much of a family you say you are, I think it's got to be pretty hard. I don't know. Very true. The strategy team is got to get old. (laughs) So we got a couple questions about our favorite circuit in general from Athena Gidzi and Rika Deathlevs. And so mine, I think, is Spa just for the history. And I love the tracks that have a really kind of picturesque, pretty background with the trees. So kind of shout out to Austria for that too. But I think Spa delivers on the history being one of the classic tracks, good racing, picturesque background. I think that's some of the the big hits for me. Yeah, that's a great one. So you must be excited for the upcoming race. Um, I'm going to go with Monaco. I just absolutely love the history surrounding it. I think the track is beautiful. I love the city circuit nature of it. I watched the movie Grand Prix where it was just like so, I don't know, classic, romantic, European vibes, racing cars. Like, I don't know, when I think of Formula One, I really think of of Monaco as uh, you know, sort of a cornerstone of the sport and the experience and and just the history. So I love it. I know people talk a lot about the tough racing and the cars have grown out of that track long ago, but I, I still think it's so fun to watch. And we had a great race there this year. So long live. I'll back you up on that. And also I think I think we collectively have the hot take. This is a pretty spicy take that Monaco is underrated right now because Monaco has been getting... <laughs> trash talked so much talked about getting taken off the calendar yes the racing isn't great but quality is amazing i second everything you said so yeah i guess monaco underrated hot take of the week <laughs> there it is i think for me my favorite circuit is baku for this year even though the race was kind of boring we saw some midfield overtaking which i'm always going to be a fan of that's really also great for a street circuit where obviously passing is kind of hard I think also the history of ba- in Baku is really cool. The setting is beyond idyllic, like within the city is so cool. And, you know, the track's got some twists, some turns. It's got the high-speed corners. It's got a little bit of everything. Plus, it's got that great long straight. So I think in terms of being a straight circuit, it's got everything that you would need, plus, plus some. Yeah, Baku is a good one for sure. Um, okay, so we got a question about the meaning of F1 flags from Hey Laura Harigo. So we'll just run through these pretty quickly, but yellow, that means there's a hazard on the track. A single waved yellow flag means overtaking is prohibited due to danger off the track and a speed reduction is required. A double waved yellow flag means overtaking is prohibited due to danger on the track and a speed reduction is also required. Green, normal racing conditions apply. 
Red, the session is suspended due to some danger or weather. Drivers must return to the pits. So we've seen that a few times this season. Blue, faster car is coming. You are being lapped. Get out of the way. Ahem, ahem. (laughs) Albon (laughs) has had some trouble seeing that flag in the past. Uh, If the driver ignores three consecutive blue flags, a penalty is issued. Yellow and red stripes, that means slippery tracked due to water, oil, or debris. And apparently, depending on how they wave it, it can also indicate a small animal on the track, which we have also seen this season, groundhogs in Canada. <laughs> I love that it's written into the rules. That's like hilarious. Track of the baby animals. Black with an orange circle, a driver has a mechanical issue or damage and must return to the pits. That's also been... A little controversial this year because that's happened to K-Mac and some other drivers with front wing damage when they thought it mm-hmm. really wasn't that bad and, bad and they didn't need a mandated pit stop. But that's a way to kind of force a driver into the pits. Yes. Black and white, not the checkered kind. That is a warning for unsportsmanlike behavior, which is quite something. Black is a disqualification. White, slow-moving vehicle ahead that is often waved on on the last corner during free practice when drivers do practice starts. It's also used when a miscellaneous vehicle, such as the medical car ambulance, is on the track. And finally, everybody's favorite, the checkered flag. That means the session is finished and no new laps may be started. I have to admit that when I went karting last weekend, I got blue flagged. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, at least you own it though, Sarah. That's okay. I think a lot of people won't. So good for you. I was quite slow and didn't really know what I was doing, but it was it was very fun. But I was I was multiple seconds a lap slower than other people. <laughs> <laughs> Another question from Dear Mond. Why hasn't Williams announced what they're doing with Latifi's seat? (laughs) Um, Because he's hopefully getting the axe. That is my hope and theory. But I guess with all of the stuff going on surrounding Alpine and Piastri and McLaren, like I bet everything is being figured out in real time, including that Williams seat. Like they want to make sure that they're going to have a driver. So if Piastri or someone else goes to Williams, they'll definitely kick him out. But if they get caught without, (laughs) another option they might have to keep them around so I guess they're they'll wait and see I'm I think a thousand percent convinced he is getting fired but I think they're deciding on who would be the best replacement maybe Logan Sargent from F2 since if Piastri is out of consideration I don't know I would be shocked if he keeps his seat yeah, I agree. Justice for him, but I think he's getting the axe. <laughs> they probably just want to see how things shake out. Don't want to be caught on the back foot, so we're just waiting for Silly Season to continue rolling forward. So another question we got was, what's an outlap, which is a fun question. This is from Corinne Marino. So an outlap is the driver's first lap out from the pits or the garage, and the key thing to watch here is getting the tires up to temperature since the tires aren't warm enough right when the driver leaves the garage during practice or quality or gets new tires put on in a pit stop during a race. And so during quality, drivers will do an outlap and then sometimes another slower lap before they do a flying lap, try to set their actual time. And then during the race, outlaps are super important for pit strategy. So teams will be watching the times and the breakdowns of other cars outlaps to see how much time those cars are losing, to see if they can attempt an overcut or an undercut, which are both ways to try to gain a position through pit strategy. 
So an undercut is when you're behind another car. So I think it's easier when you say actual people for examples. So say we use Max and Lewis here. So we say Lewis is in front and Red Bull thinks they can go for the undercut. Max will pit first with the hope that when Lewis eventually pits, he'll come out behind Max. So this only works if Max is faster on his outlap on his new tires compared to Lewis's lap into the pits, which is predictably called the in-lap. So you can see really the importance of the outlap here. And then on the other hand, teams can go for something called an overcut if the outlaps are particularly slow in a race because the tires are heating up slowly. So this can do to be due to track characteristics or weather, or just a lot of other variables. So say again that Lewis is in front of Max. Lewis would pit and Max would stay out, hoping that after he pits, he'll come out in front of Lewis. And so this would work if Max's in-lap is faster than Lewis's out-lap because you're sl- like we've seen several times this season since these new tires can be harder to warm up. If on the outlap, Lewis is sliding around, can't get any grip, and has bad tire warm-up, then Max's in-lap on the old tires could be faster. So this is – it's oftentimes down to the fractions of a second. So this is where you get those fun moments where one car is flying down the main street and one car is pulling out of the pit lane, and the announcers are like, oh, my gosh, who's going to come out in front? And you kind of see them sometimes even side-by-side side as as one car comes out of the pit lane. So that's fun. Okay. And for the last question for this part one of Ask Us Anything, like we said, we'll be doing a part two, but we will leave you with our favorite drivers, who and why, from Andra and Travis Echo 90. Chessa, you're up. Okay. To no one's surprise, I'm going to say Checo. And (laughs) hear me out. I think for a number two driver on a top, top team who is also a really good driver himself, He's not a complainer and he doesn't have like a chip on his shoulder from what I feel. And he still does really good. He still puts it all out there. He's an excellent teammate. He's always in good spirits. He's a really good with his tires. Like the list goes on. I just think he's an excellent driver all around and I'm excited for him to have his, his time in the, in the spotlight soon. Yeah. I, I love that one. I, I hope he continues to, to do well. Cause I feel like the last couple races, we haven't seen the best from him. I know. I want him to get another win this season. Chessa, what about other ones? It was a plural, so you can just check out or you can add other ones. Again, I'm like always down for a driver who doesn't complain and puts his head down. So Botas as well. Okay. Also a good set. Also a better. He's a good number two. Not as good of a number two as Checo is to Max, but I think he's also excellent. <laughs> I also really love Botas. I think off the track. Right now, he's just in his bucket hat era. He's on vacation with his girlfriend in the United States right now. They're in Wyoming posing with tractors. They love the United (laughs) States out west. They just such good energy. Love that she's an Olympic cyclist and he goes to a bunch of races and supports her. So I love Botas kind of off track. In terms of on track, obviously, no surprise to anyone, Max. (laughs) I also will – this is a topic for another time. I think Max – obviously has pretty intense personality uh, around racing and has a very resting, serious, kind of scary expression. But I think when you see kind of interviews and behind the scenes stuff, he's much more like lighthearted and funny and doesn't take himself that seriously. So Max, and then in terms of general, the whole package, vibes, everything, I think Carlos, 
<laughs> I love Carlos too. Um, I also am surprised to probably very few people. I'm going to have to go with Lewis. I am the resident Lewis fan on this podcast, but I just think he has done more for the sport than anyone, you know, to this, to this day. And maybe that's like a hot take for some historical long-term fans, but just, he is an incredible driver. The stats speak for themselves in terms of all the records he's broken. But I just think as a person too, he has done so much for this sport. He just seems like a fantastic person who is always championing something different that that means so much to him and so much to others and the number of like barriers and hurdles he has had to overcome to be where he is I just I have the most respect for that and I just can't can't imagine like anyone doing it with the grace with which he has done it and so I think on track and off track Lewis I I ride or die for him (laughs) um but yes I know not everyone agrees with that take, but I will I will back it up. It's a good one, Tiki. Well articulated. <laughs> definitely. And definitely check out his Vanity Fair interview was really good. And about his sportsmanship, I also definitely agree that he's done the most for the sport out of anyone out on the current grid. No, no question. Um, and I think also just in the history of the sport, but the article – really highlighted his sportsmanship last year too, how at Abu Dhabi he got out of the car and shook Max's hand. And that just Mm -hmm. takes a really certain type of person. I think the vast majority of other drivers would not have done that. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Well, this was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed a different format of episode from us during this silly season break. Um, But we will be back soon with another episode and look out as well for a part two. We've saved lots of other good questions for next time. So stay tuned for that.